When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Audio Mailbag Podcast, the Week 10 edition. And so far, I think we're undefeated every time Brandon and I get on the pod to discuss your questions for this week. But of course, I am joined by the one and only Brandon Hazlett. Brandon, how are you doing today, man? The one and only, wow. Uh, you know what, I'm still not over my, my sickness, but I can at least breathe this time, so we're in, we're in better shape, but still not over it completely. You know, making small improvements week by week. I feel like this week, each of us has come down with something. We're at the halfway yes. point in the season, so we still have another eight weeks and hopefully longer with playoffs. So we need to we need to get back and get rejuvenated again, wouldn't you say? Need to get off the IR. Need to get off the IRs for sure. Just like one of the players we'll be talking about in this podcast, <laughs> we have a question about a certain Adam Shaheen. But before I spoil all the questions by just giving hints of spoiler alert, right, Brandon? <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> How about we just get right into this with our first question of the night, and it comes from Cody. Cody, here's your question. Hey, guys. This is Cody Walker from Carrollton, Illinois. Uh, huge fan of the podcast. You guys are one of like four or five podcasts, Bears podcast that I listen to. So a huge fan. Uh, my question is, and I am also part of a couple of Facebook groups for the Bears, my question is, who do you think on, on either side of the ball are um, potential pro bowlers for this year's Bears team? So I know last year we kind of got screwed out of several pro bowlers, especially Akeem Hicks should have should have been a pro bowler undoubtedly. But So, yeah, my question is, who do you guys think are a couple pro, bowl, pro bowler potentials? Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Bear down. Cody, that's a fantastic question, and it's – even fun that we can have this question because there are Bears players that are definitely worthy of getting into the Pro Bowl this season. I know they've been, what, snubbed for the past couple of years now. The Bears have alternates, but that's not what you ultimately want. Well, honestly, you don't want to be in the Pro Bowl because that means you're playing in the Super Bowl. But we could we could save that for, for later. So to answer your question, uh, for some players that could be potential Pro Bowlers on either side of the ball, on offense, I think Trey Burns a guy that could definitely – if he keeps continuing what he's doing right now, he can definitely be in the Pro Bowl. He's tied for third right now with five touchdowns, most in the NFC with O.J. Howard out of all tight ends in the league. He's only behind Eric Ebron, who's now in Indianapolis, with seven, and Travis Kelsey, who has six touchdowns. So if 
Trey Burton's able to, you know, be on this same track, and he's been utilized more and more uh, over the weeks and just finding the end zone, which is great for him. He's definitely somebody that I can see being a pro bowler. And just to compare Burton's stats to Howard's stats, Burton has 29 receptions, 371 yards, 12.8 average, five touchdowns on the year. O.J. Howard has 28 receptions, 472 yards, 16.9 average, and then five touchdowns as well. So, And a lot of that production, or a good amount, came against Carolina just last week where he had four receptions, 53 yards, and two touchdowns. So I think those two are the, the front runners right now in the NFC for tight end to make the Pro Bowl. And I also have here, uh, you know, maybe a Tariq Cohen. But the thing is, what does he make it in as? I mean, obviously he's a running back. But he's not going to have the numbers good enough for to make it as a running back. He's just an all-purpose guy, so maybe he gets away uh, in that way. And then, obviously, Cleo Mack. Come on. Cleo Mack's definitely going to make it on the defense. And before I steal all the Pro Bowlers here, I'm going to hand it over to my pal, Brandon. Brandon, who do you got making the Pro Bowl? Thanks for thanks for saving me some. <laughs> uh, also, for, for Christmas, we may look into a Trey Burton jersey for you. But I didn't think you'd be number one on your list. But I figured you'd make it on your list there somewhere. Uh, as far as offensively, I'm going to stick in the trenches since that's what I do. Uh, take I'll take Charles Leno uh, to the Pro Bowl, I think. He's had a very, uh, I'll say, spectacular year if you uh, take out the last game where he had the three false starts in a row. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, you never hear of him, which is definitely what you want as an offensive lineman. He's had some good PFF rankings as much as I don't like to look at those. He's on there consistently as a top lineman. Uh, so I think he's definitely deserving of being in the Pro Bowl. Not that you're going to turn it on to watch an offensive lineman. But regardless, I think he's definitely going to make it uh, as one. And then we should also, I think, look at either Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson, uh, guys on the defense as far as uh, who are going to be Pro Bowl eligible. So Kyle Fuller, I don't know what he ranks right now as far as interceptions in the league individually, but I think he's up there uh, in the top tier of the league. So I think he's definitely deserving of getting a Pro Bowl appearance as well. And you know what, I think, and now I'm trying to pull up the stats as we're doing this podcast, and of course my Wi-Fi is going to be god-awful when doing this, but I'm pretty sure in terms of interceptions, yes, Kyle Fuller is tied for first in the league with DJ Swearinger, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of other guys that have four, so he's definitely deserving. That's, yes, Pro Bowl worthy. Pro Bowl worthy for sure, and I mean, that's a great thing because he got that contract extension, so it's great that we're having this conversation. There are Bears worthy of going to the Pro Bowl. They just got to keep doing what they're doing. And I think the way they've all been playing, there's no reason to think that they can't do that. All right, so we're going to move on to our second question of the night. And here it is. Pretty amazing. Hey, guys. Um, so I was wondering, against this game, against the division rival, our second game of the division rival, and how do you feel about on the flex between the Viking game. Thank you, guys, and bye. That's a great question. And next time, caller, leave your name so we can shout you out on the podcast. I know that's always a great feeling just seeing that your question made it, and we definitely want to give you recognition for sending in a great question. So I've already expressed my feelings over on Twitter about how I feel about this flex game. It's always, look, here, it's always a great um, just being recognized as a good team to be on Sunday night football. And they I think they flexed it was the Jaguars and Pittsburgh game that was originally that Sunday night game. So they moved that one out and replaced it with this division matchup that is very important. The only problem the problem I have with it though, not the only problem, the problem I have with it is that the Bears obviously now they're Sunday night. And then I think it's around eighty something hours later, 
They have to go to Detroit. It's only an hour and ten minute plane ride. It's never been about the plane ride that I've had an issue with. That is, that's a cakewalk for any anyone who's been on a plane. It's it's quick. It's fast. You're going to be in and off the plane. Doesn't matter. But you play in that early, the first Thanksgiving game, and that's at I think at eleven thirty. There's not a lot of time. So by the time you're done with the Sunday night football game, all these guys are going to go into the locker room. Uh, you know, get their. Uh, the coach is going to say some stuff, obviously see how the t- team did. They're going to get their treatment, see the media. All that takes time. And, yes, I know they're professionals, and this is what they do for a living, but there's already a time crunch from a week-to-week basis for each game and having a game plan. And teams already complain about regular Thursday games after a, a, a 12 o'clock Sunday to a Thursday night game. There's already complaining going on. There's not enough time. The level of play just drops off because it's sloppy. You're Like I said, you're not able to do as much game planning. But now that just gets a little bit uh, stricter, I would say. So that's where I have the issue with it. I'm sure the Bears are going to adapt. They sound like they're very excited to be on Sunday Night Football. And as fans, we're, we're, we're excited as well. I just don't want to see that be a factor as to why the Bears don't come out and perform like they should. And I think they will. They're a professional football team. But that's where my concerns lie with this. You have a Sunday night game. And if it was the Thursday night, that's fine. You know, it's almost like the same kind of... Uh, time and distance uh, away from a normal game but it's not it's not because it's Sunday night and then it's Thursday morning so that's what my concerns lie it probably won't be as big of a thing as I'm making it but I like to overreact I would say but Brandon what's your take about the Sunday night game being or the the Vikings game being flexed a Sunday night I, I like that you know we're going to have the recognition being on Sunday night. Uh, that's pretty cool because the last couple of years it's been prime time early in the year and then it's been noon after that. Uh, so it's nice to be able to get a midseason uh, important divisional game in uh, on a Sunday night, which is cool. Uh, but at the same time, it just it comes down to basically what you said: uh, time. Uh, they'll have you know they may take Monday as a, a rest day and not even touch the field. That it will be all all mental reps, all tape, all learning about the Lions. Tuesday, I imagine it's going to be the time where they can get out there on the field. Wednesday, I would assume that they're going to fly out Wednesday late in the day. So Wednesday morning, they'd have to do something, whether that's mental reps or on the field reps, regardless of what it is. But then, again, like you said, that takes time. You were mentioning after the game Sunday night. Uh, but Wednesday, you know, everyone's going to have to get to House Hall, get geared up, hit the field for a few hours, get ungeared up, dress up, hit the plane, go to Detroit, get ready for your typical game day prep. So there's really only like two and a half-ish days in there, which we're going to find out how good of a memory these guys have and what, I guess, uh, they're going to keep a base game plan for these two games as far as like basic things that's going to be installed every week. I think it's going to be real interesting as far as a coaching standpoint goes is how this gets handled. Uh, But again, I like the recognition. It's just there's not a whole lot of time for the Bears to get ready in these uh, in that next week. Yeah, it does help, though, that the Bears are playing Detroit this week, and they'll see them two weeks after that does you know, make next it, Sunday. Yes. There's not that much that I think that's going to change. Obviously, adjustments will be made from this first meeting between the Lions, so that does help. It just it's never it, it never helps to have less time. Let's just say that, especially in the NFL yes. where you know, you're making adjustments on a week-to-week basis, and now you cut that down even more. It doesn't help. So I think the Bears will be fine, like Brandon and I were saying. We're pretty confident in that. We'll just see how that plays out. And you, uh, there's been some positivity on Twitter where Bears fans have been saying, well, we just get to see 
two bears win in the span of four days instead of, you know, seven, whatever it may be. So that's always a good, a positive way of looking at it. So with that, we're going to go to our third question of the night. And the question is oriented around the running game. Here's your question. I have another quick question here about the Chicago Bears. It's about Jordan Howard. And he did have those two touchdowns, but he still only had 47 rushing yards. And he only had, like, 14 in health care. I don't remember what the exact amount was. So why is Matt Nagy not giving more carries to Jordan Howard? And why have we not been able to get a more consistent running game going? It's the same uh, offensive line is not better than it was last year, and he's had two 1,000-yard seasons. And it's not on pace for that this year. So what's going on with Jordan Howard? How can we get him more involved? Because as it starts getting colder, you know, we don't want him to have uh, Mitch Trubisky making all the throws, so we want to have a consistent running game. So what, what's going on there? Thanks. Caller, again, like the like the last one, please leave your name. We'd love to be able to give you a shout-out. Uh, but to answer your question about Howard and why – uh, Nagy's not giving him more carries. I think it's because Nagy doesn't, I guess, in his offensive coaching experience per se, uh, under Kansas City and then this year, uh, in Kansas City he didn't have a running back like Jordan Howard, so I'm still not convinced he knows how to utilize him. We've seen him start to pick up rhythm here in the last couple weeks, which is really nice. Uh, but as far as consistency goes, part of that comes down to the offensive line, who also has to get in rhythm as far as pushing forward. Uh, being able to feel these guys out, I guess, as far as what moves are going to work and which ones aren't. And it's a lot of zone read schemes as well. Uh, so it comes, does come down to uh, which hole looks better to Jordan Howard. And he, we know he's patient. He's got good vision. So I, I guess I shouldn't use that one as an excuse. I don't think there's really anything going on with Howard himself. It's just I don't know that, that Nagy's uh, confident in his ability to use him the way he should be used because that's not the way that Matt Nagy runs his his offense. We, at times we criticize him for being too cute. And that's why you know we wish we see Jordan Howard more in those situations where it's third and one and all he's got to do is just run it up the middle or it's first and goal and they're running a, a pass to Bradley Saul in the back of the end zone. Like On those plays, we'd rather just see Jordan Howard punch it in. Uh, so it's really just uh, Nagy, uh, I think, figuring out exactly what his best use is, not necessarily in those short yardage situations, but also, you know, Boy, as much as I hate to say this, as much as we criticize the last offensive coordinator, uh, use him on first down from time to time. Uh, you know, establish the run early, uh, especially in games that will open up things later in the passing game. But I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with Jordan Howard. It's just Matt Nagy's uh, coaching scheme and the way that he gets used within the scheme. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Brandon. I don't think there's anything wrong with Jordan Howard. He's actually just being used differently this year as opposed to the years previous under John Fox and Dow Loggins. And I'm going to credit uh, Pro Football Weekly's writer, Marcus Mosher. I, I pr- I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce that last name right, but he actually broke down the Bears rushing attack, and he did a great job with it. So basically his article is saying that how the Bears running backs are being used right now, they're being used more efficiently than they ever have been since John Fox took over. And what I mean by that and what uh, Marcus's article references is that Howard right now has his highest success rate that he's ever had in his uh, three-year career at 52%. Last year in 2017, it was 44%, which was one of the lowest in the NFL. And successful uh, success rate, just to break it down, um, so you look at it in terms of downs. First down, you want to gain 40% of the yards gained needed for to get a first down. Second down, you gain 50% of the yards needed for a first down. Then third and fourth down is whatever the yards are remaining to gain that first down 
or to get the touchdown. So in terms of how Matt Nagy's actually utilizing Howard, he's actually one of the best running backs in terms of running on second and short and converting to get that first down. He's 60%. So he's one of the better backs in the league in terms of converting the chains. So I think what fans are looking at until I didn't until I read this article I was thinking the same thing along those lines that the rushing attack could definitely be improved and it still can of course it can but he's just being used differently to where it's not just all Jordan Howard every single time where he's gaining big yardage getting these 20 plus runs now it's he's using him in the right situations to get these first downs and yes Jordan Howard has taken his production's taken a, a, a step back if you will but that's also because, look, around Jordan Howard is a lot better playmakers, a lot better offensive weapons. So I don't think it's more so that Matt Nagy doesn't know how to use him. I think he's using him how he wants to use him, and it's always going to depend on the situation. Um, but I, I hope that answers your question. So when you're looking at Jordan Howard, he maybe has only 14 carries, maybe only has 15 carries for around 60 yards. Check how many of those yards actually went for first downs and kept that offense on the field. That's the most important part. And also in the past two weeks, he's gotten in the end zone three times as opposed to the first seven weeks of the season where he only found the end zone twice. So he is getting more in the you know in the end zone. That's what you want to see from Jordan Howard. Crunching out those those tough yards, converting the chains, keeping offenses off the field. So I hope that answers your question uh, in terms of what is exactly going on with Jordan Howard. And I think he still can be utilized more. But yeah, I think that Matt Nagy has figured it out. It's just a completely different way than the John Fox era uh, definitely used him. So that answers the Jordan Howard question. I almost want to take a break and take a take a breather here i don't know why i felt like i talked for a while you were long winded. I, I was like just have those deep breaths but we, the, the show must go on brandon so <laughs> we are gonna go on to our fourth question of the night and it comes from neil and we got to hang out with neil at the the miami dolphins game so neil here's your question hi there following up from the bears audio mailbag it's neil in manchester back in the uk uh, i came to the miami dolphins game with you guys in week six I've got a question, it's really a two-part question. Following the injury, the first part is following the injury to Kyle Long. Do you see this being possibly his last year as a Chicago Bear because it's the third season, I believe, now that he's gone down with an injury during the season to keep him out for the rest of the campaign? And the second part of the question is, with all the injuries we're having at wide receiver position and Kevin White still not being able to get into the, the fold, has he actually got a future in the Bears? Because this is his contract year coming up. And although he's made one brilliant catch against New England, where they almost got a game-tying touchdown right at the very end, he seems to get overlooked an awful lot for Josh Bellamy, and I'm not sure why. Thanks, guys. Neil, those are those are great questions. And to answer the Kyle Long one first, I think that Kyle Long is going to remain on this team uh, and be on this team in 2019. He got injured, but he's going to be back. That's that's the hope, though. He's going to be back. Yes, he was placed on IR. They can still bring one more player back. And I think Kyle Long, once he does get healthy and that ankle gets, uh, you know, improved, he will be back this season and hopefully finish it out. But remember, he did just sign a contract extension in 2016, and that's good through 2021. And let's say the Bears, you know, opt out and want to go a different direction. Potentially, they could 
they could opt out and it would be a $3 million uh, dead cap for 2019. But I don't think that's the direction you want to you want to take, especially because Kyle Long, look, yes, he's been injured the past, I think now, three seasons where his season's ended. And this one's not season ending. There's hope that he'll be back. But he's such a great leader, such a great locker room guy. He's someone that you definitely want to have on the team. And I know he has to be available, and that hasn't been the case for the past couple years. But he still, when he plays, he is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL, no doubt. So I think there is a chance, and there's a high chance for him being on the roster next season. Brandon, what are your thoughts about Kyle Long? Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely don't think it's going to be his last his last season as Chicago Bear because I think the the offensive line, especially uh, the whole offense, really as a whole, but most mostly the offensive line looks at him. Uh, is really that that leader, uh, the motivator, because he's always talking, he's always yelling, he always wants to get his guys hyped up, which is absolutely a great thing to have in the locker room, like you're saying. So I don't think it's going to be his last year, but his uh, time here is definitely dwindling, especially with this injury. And you brought up his injury history already, so no need to, to dwell back on it. But I think with this one, is it's coming to an end quicker than I think we might realize. Which would be so unfortunate, because if he would stay yes. healthy, Kyle Long easily would be always in the Pro Bowl. I mean, always. Um, now to go to your second question about Kevin White. This is the one where when you see a player like Kevin White who wasn't on, in, wasn't on the injury report prior to the Bills game, um, you know, made some catches in that New England game, but then gets that healthy scratch, I think right then and there that the Bears are kind of telling you, we prefer somebody else on the roster. And remember, Allen Robinson was injured at the time. So they just basically said, we prefer somebody else. We're going to you know, sit you and start. They activated Javon Wims for that game. He didn't really see much of the field. I think he was in on a couple of plays, no targets or anything. But that's not a good indication for Kevin White, who has stayed healthy for, you know, for I guess, I think longer than any point in his Bears career, which is great. But there must be something else that we're not seeing that's happening in practice that is, you know, alluding to why he's getting this healthy scratch. So Kevin White's days could be, I think they're going to end regardless after this season, but having that healthy scratch is never good uh, Never good for a player who's trying to do something with this roster, especially when you had already injured wide receivers. He's just not getting his opportunity. We all wanted to see that. I know I said that in an earlier podcast. But Brandon, what do you think about Kevin White? Does he have a future in Chicago after this season? After this season, though, I don't think so, especially because, like you said, the healthy scratch tells you a lot of things. Um, I, I think a lot of it just came down to him was was effort. Because uh, we've seen in training camp, they always said, finish, finish, finish. That's what they preached throughout all of training camp. And it felt like more times than not, they were yelling at Kevin White to get into the end zone. When he caught a deep route, he just kind of quit running on it early because, I mean, it's the end of the play. But they always always told him to finish, which means get in the end zone. He sometimes struggled to do that. Uh, I think sometimes even throughout the year when you see him run some of these routes, there's one that we pointed out a few post-game shows ago uh, where he's running a very poor slant route in the end zone where you know he's he's big and aggressive and he's got good hands, uh, I think. Uh, and he should, if he runs a good route, good solid route, then that should be a target that Trubisky has and can rely on. But when he's going to quit on the route after the cut and hardly get into the end zone, then there's really not a reason to have a receiver out there on the field that's going to do that. Like, we could put out Bradley Sowell back out there on that route, and he'd have the same effect, you know. So, I mean, I, I think his days are limited, and I think a lot of it just came down to effort for him. Look out for the Bradley Sowell slant route 
against the Detroit Lions, everybody. That's what we're telling you. No, just kidding. But yeah, I I agree with you, Brandon. There's got it. Like there has to be something going on, and that can definitely be a factor as to why Kevin White's not seeing the field, hasn't seen the opportunities because he is healthy. And you would think a healthy Kevin White is at least going to get opportunities, but that isn't the case right now. So we're going to go on to our fifth question of the night, and it comes from Jay. Jay, here's your question. Hey, Bears Bros. Uh, Jay here from Salt Lake. I have a really quick question about Adam Shaheen. Um, I don't think a lot of people really noticed how big of a loss that was losing Shaheen in the preseason. But, uh, well, I guess my question is, should we expect things to open up a lot more once Shaheen gets back because he is a mismatched disaster. Like, I don't know, I guess Ben Broniker and Daniel Brown don't really threaten anyone, especially Deion Sims, dare I say his name. But, uh, yeah, what do you guys think the impact of Adam Shaheen is going to be when he gets back? Always bear down. Jay, that's a, a very good question. I also want to say I have been to Salt Lake once. Uh, it's a nice city, so I hope you're enjoying it out there as well. Uh, but, Getting back to on topic, uh, your question, uh, Adam Shaheen. I mean, you, you're right. People don't realize how big of a loss he was in the preseason, but we also don't realize how big of a loss he wasn't. Because in general, we haven't seen a whole lot of Adam Shaheen, and what we have seen, I mean, he's a big target, so he's going to be valuable in the red zone. Uh, I think that's where he'll mostly get used. He can be used as a. I hate to say Gronk because I don't like that comparison with him, uh, but. He can run those seam routes like Gronk, like Gronk can. Whether or not he makes the play, that's yet to be seen because we don't know what kind of routes he's going to be able to uh, or be capable of running because when we seen him a lot last year, he'd make the catch and immediately just fall. He almost uh, wasn't sure how to operate within his own body. Like He was so big, uh, and he still is big, uh, very, I guess, not used to his body. Actually, he's still young. I think he's still growing a little bit as well. So, I mean, it's... Uh, he's going to have to get used to it, and we've seen a better job of it in the preseason of him being a little more athletic, having a little bit more coordination. Uh, but I think that we we just haven't seen a whole lot of him, so I really don't know the best way to answer this question. Is like, yeah, he he was a loss, but at the same time, we, he might not be. So it's uh, definitely a good thing he's going to come back because we're going to find out. Yeah, and they definitely need to find out what Adam Shaheen got because I agree with you, Jay. Ben Broniker, Daniel Brown, and especially Deion Sims, they don't scare you. Well, it's Trey Burden that teams have to worry about. So getting an Adam Shaheen, it's a good thing. It is. But, again, he only has 12 receptions, 127 yards, and three touchdowns in 2017. Completely different offense. It was something that you didn't want to be a part of. But that's what, that's what, <laughs> we're, that's what we're working with. This is what we're trying to base what Adam Shaheen you know, can build off of. And there were some good things. There were some bad. Like, Brandon, you alluded to uh, some of the bad. Like, after he would catch a ball... He's going down. Like, what, what's going on, Adam Sheen? There are times where he stayed up and gained some, you know, good yards after the catch. But we still need to see more. I remember just in training camp, there are times where he's just going up over people using that six-foot-six frame to, you know, moss people. And then there are other times where the, this little DB is able to outmuscle him and outfight for the ball and get better position. So Adam Shaheen, yes, I believe that he's going to do good things for this offense, but I wouldn't expect that to happen right away. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen against the Detroit Lions. If he does play, he did practice today. And I know he said it's been forever since he's practiced, which it has been with that foot injury that he sustained. I forgot what preseason game it was. I think it was maybe 
the Broncos. I forgot which game it was. It's been a while. But Adam Shaheen, I'm not expecting too much right away. Or It's going to take some time for him to get acclimated to this offense still. He hasn't been practicing in it. He's been taking those mental reps, but you still need to be able to actually practice. And I think he, like you said, a mis- uh, he is a mismatch nightmare, but he needs to get back into the, the swing of things. So I wouldn't say it's going to be a right then and there fix for this Bears offense. Now they're going to be able to stretch the field vertically, all these mismatches. No, it's going to take some time uh, for Adam Shaheen to get back into uh, the swing of things, like I said. That's going to do it for that edition of the Audio Mailbag Questions. And we have a one that was submitted. It wasn't by a Bears fan. It was from a Raiders fan. So I'll let you guys listen to this. Hey, this is Jim Jim from Alameda, and I just want to know how is number 52 doing? He's turned it into Bigfoot, missing in action. He hasn't had a sack in three weeks. How many tackles has he had the last couple of weeks? Now he's injured. I'm glad that the Raiders got rid of him. I'm glad you guys took him. I can't wait to get to the two first-round draft choices. I'm out. To answer your question, Raiders fan, how is number 52 doing? He's doing great, honestly. He's going to be back in action this week against the Detroit Lions. We didn't need him to play in the last two weeks against the Bills and Jets. And to be completely honest, I'm so glad the Oakland Raiders were able to trade the arguably the best defensive player in football to the Chicago Bears for draft picks that most likely will never le- uh, reach his potential. You're only hoping that these first-round draft picks that the Bears gave to the Raiders are going to be anywhere near a Khalil Mack. So that's why I'm grateful. I'm sure, like you said in your question, is he eating tacos? I would. Who doesn't like tacos? They're fantastic. (laughs) So he can eat as many of those as he wants, as long as he's healthy, getting after the quarterback. He's already got four forced fumbles on the year. He's wreaking havoc when he plays. So he's healthy, too, and we're getting into division play. So I am so happy that we have Cleo Mack and you have your two first-round draft picks that you can only hope could be the next Cleo Mack. Brandon, did you want to weigh in on how, how Cleo Mack is doing or how you know fortunate we are to kind of have him? Yeah, I'd rather have uh, Cleo Mack than two first-round picks. Just throwing that out there because we don't know what's out there yet, and we've got a pretty young core, pretty young, comma, core <laughs> roster as it is. Uh, so, I mean, I adding Khalil Mack is definitely much bigger than our first two uh, draft picks would have been. So uh, I happily accept this trade, and uh, I'm sure he's happy eating his tacos, as I am I would be too. Like Nick said, tacos are good, especially if you put a little salsa on them. Uh, so I would, I'm would, i definitely okay with Khalil Mack uh, instead of two first-round draft choices. Cause... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. We're doing fine with our first-rounders outside of Kevin White. We've got a pretty young roster. Cleo Mack was definitely an addition that we needed. Yeah, and I, you know, just not having Khalil Mack, I want to keep hearing John Gruden say we don't, we can't find a pass rush. I love hearing that, <laughs> and knowing that he traded Khalil Mack always makes me laugh whenever I see those memes and stuff like that. But yeah, so again, 
Thank you for Khalil Mack. I also want to throw out, since we're talking about John Gruden real quick, uh, in our fantasy staff league uh, for fantasy football, my logo is John Gruden with a shirt that says, I love this guy for a reason. <laughs> he gives Bears Khalil Mack. Come on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am not doing so so hot in that league. I think I am the worst one in that league <laughs> by far. It's not even close. But we don't have to go there because we have You're one the one last. It up. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So we have one <laughs> last question on the night. It's actually a Twitter question, and it comes from Jack Pointing. I hope I pronounced that right, but he's from Oxford, England, which is amazing that we're getting questions from there. And basically, Jack is asking, who has been your most underrated player on both sides of the ball? Brandon, do you want to take a stab at this first? Most underrated on both sides of the ball. I'll start with defense. I think underrated on defense is uh, Prince of Mukamara. Uh, sorry, Nick. See you over there uh, freaking out. Uh, but I mean, he's he had the he had his first career pick six ever this year, which was awesome. But then when he was out for a little bit and Kevin Tolliver was in there that's when the secondary started to get a little bit weaker because Kevin Tolliver does not have the same experience or the same sticky, quote-unquote, ability uh, as Prince Mukamara does. And from times we've seen Mukamara hold guys downfield, we've seen it last year. I hope we don't see it this year. But for the most part, he does a pretty good job of sticking on his guys. So I think, uh, well, and we noticed too with Nathan Peterman, this could just be a Nathan Peterman thing that he was throwing towards Kyle Fuller more. Uh, So... That may speak something about Prince Mukamara that guys see on tape as well as far as his coverage ability. So I think uh, Mukamara needs a little bit more love on defense. Do you have a, a pick that you want to throw out there for defense while I come up with an offensive one? You know what? I'll just build off the Prince Mukamara uh, hype right here. And I've always been critical of him, and he's really turned it around this year. And when you really look at it, underrated players on this Bears defense, it was kind of hard to name underrated players because this unit's been playing so well all year but I guess uh, uh, I said I was going to allude to more of Prince Mukamara I'll go a different direction I'll give it to Bryce Callahan I don't think he's really underrated but he's a guy that just does his does his business the way he should be he's always going to come out to play each and every week he's going to be tasked with guarding you know the slot receiver that's never an easy task for with regardless of the player it's always just a hard position to guard he you know is able to stick by him stick next to the receiver's hips making contested throws. It, it, he's he does it all for the Bears. Comes on blitzes. He got one uh you know a couple weeks ago against uh Sam Darnold. So n- Bryce Callahan is a guy essential in Vic Fangio's defense and it's a guy that I know Jack in your question that you submitted on Twitter, you alluded to Bryce Callahan as your guy that you like. And I'm going to have to agree with you because he's a fantastic player and the Bears are a lot better with him than they would be without him. So, Brandon, did I give you enough time to think of your underrated player on the offensive side? Yes, and I'm going to stick with Jack's player on offense, Cody Whitehair. Because, I mean, think about it. Since we did the preseason postgame episode uh, where we played Denver when we were all doing it in your dining room. Uh, some of us were a little more tired than others. Um, but after that game, I never heard of a snap issue from Cody Whitehair. No. I've never seen a snap issue uh, from Cody Whitehair. Uh, he's never really been called for many penalties as far as I can remember. Uh, so as much as we've been giving Charles Leno some love on the offensive line, we need to start giving Cody Whitehair the same amount of love because he is doing a phenomenal job down there at center. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 
that it's about right. Since we did that episode, Cody Whitehair and those those snaps, they've been spot on. I think what he's done, he's also changed the technique a little bit. I think he holds like the top of the ball or something yeah. like that, and then he hikes it, and it's worked out well. We haven't seen, and you know, knock on wood, you can hear this on the pod. It's hopefully continues the rest of the season because we need Cody Whitehair to just keep up those snaps and keep doing what he's doing. Uh, I guess another guy, and see, it's always tough with underrated, like Mitch Trubisky's not underrated, Jordan Howard's not underrated. Those are not underrated guys. Those are not guys that you somehow forget. You you said uh, you mentioned Charles Leno earlier in the podcast. I think that's an, another underrated guy, a guy yeah. who wasn't drafted very high, got that contract extension. Other than last week against the Buffalo Bills, He's been solid. He's been a great left tackle for the Bears and yep. keeping helping keep Mitch Trubisky upright. So I think it's funny that, you know, when we think of underrated, we're, obviously we both pick linemen. But that's – look, we're not saying that they're not as valued. They're just – they don't get talked about as much. And they should. As you would know, Brandon, being the trenches guy, they are so valuable. They need valuable. love. They need love, and we're giving it to them right here on the audio mailbag. But Brandon – that's all the questions for tonight. Um, you know, we're actually going to be on a podcast of what? Maybe less than an hour now? About 40 minutes. About 40 minutes. We're going to be on another podcast. But uh, thank you for everybody who submitted questions for this week's audio mailbag. Uh, I think we're, so far, every time we've done one, the Bears have won a game. Have won. So, like Brandon and I have said on previous audio mailbags, we're just going to keep it going. We're going to keep it going. And... I think the way that we're going to do this is we're going to need more questions. So the number that you can call and leave a voicemail on is 872-240-4007. And that's 872-240-4007. Just leave uh, your name so we can shout you out and leave your question. The best question will be played on the latest audio mailbag. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Let's go.